0: Have you ever made a mobile order to Starbucks before? My husband, Spencer, and myself have a down to a science now. It's kind of embarrassing. One day, a few months back, Spencer and I were on our way to work and we timed it perfectly so that we would be able to go stop and grab a Starbucks. So we pull up to Starbucks and I'm ready to throw off my seatbelt and run in. So I start my embarrassing sprint towards the door. Once I get in the door, I speed walk to the mobile pickup area. And as I'm approaching, I notice that our drinks aren't there. I give them the benefit of the doubt, though, and I assume that they're making them right now. The barista comes holding two drinks, and I'm ready to hear my name called, and she yells, Mobile order for Patricia! At this point, I could feel my blood start to boil, and I'm actually getting quite angry. I don't want to be late for my meeting, and I've ordered these drinks with plenty of time to spare. She comes over again holding two more drinks and she yells, Mobile order for Tim. At this point, I am furious because I need my drinks now. I needed them like five minutes ago. I didn't want to wait. I wanted my drinks. What happened to them? Did they forget about us? And all these thoughts trickled down my spine and it led me to anger. Regretfully, Sometimes in those moments, I forget all my calming techniques that I love and I repent about it later, but I was angry. Do you ever relate to this? Okay, maybe you aren't a Starbucks fan like me, but maybe traffic is the thing that makes your blood boil. Or maybe it's lineups at the grocery store, or maybe it's busy places. Or maybe it's coming home from a full shift at work to hungry, angry kids wanting your full attention. We've all been there. Anger is a very common emotion that our world deals with every single day. I would argue that anger is something that every single person deals with every week. We are in our third and final week of our Better You series. This series, Better You, Uh, is using the words of James, and we are focusing upon what the Bible teaches regarding healthy communication and relationships. The past two weeks, Pastor Darren has unpacked two things, how to be a better listener and how to be a better communicator. It's all based on James 1 verse 19, which says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. And this leads us to this week's topic, which we all love to avoid How to control your anger. Let's be honest. When you're angry, you do not want to be told to breathe. You do not want to be told to calm down. You want to explode. You want to get it off your chest. James commands us to be slow to anger. He says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Untreated anger can manifest in ways that are damaging mentally, emotionally, and even physically through acts of violence and decline on your health. It can destroy your family, friendships, and even yourself. The question is, though, how do we be slow to anger? How do we control our anger? For the past year and a half, I have been doing my master's, and I've been studying to become a clinical counselor. Through my studies, I have learned a lot about anger and I've realized that having and giving you guys all a how-to surrounding your anger actually wouldn't solve anything. It wouldn't help you. It would be like giving you a temporary band-aid while you're still bleeding out. We need to be more concerned with the why behind our anger. Why are we so angry in the first place? What is the root problem? If we can't figure out the why behind why our anger is there, then we'll never be able to understand how we can control it. If we desire to find true healing from our anger, we need to take a step back and look at our lives a little bit differently. You see, anger is a primary emotion. So what is a primary emotion, you might be asking? A primary emotion is the body's first response, first reaction to a situation. They are usually very easy to identify because they're so strong. Here are the most common primary emotions. It could be fear, happiness, sadness, and of course, what we're talking about today, anger. But the thing about primary emotions like anger is that oftentimes something is hiding underneath. We call these emotions secondary emotions. Secondary emotions are often brewing underneath primary emotions. They are often big and more complex, and they're sourced from deep hurts, traumas, and pain in our life. If we choose not to deal with the secondary emotion, that is when primary emotions go absolutely rampant. Anger is often the result of emotion overload, and anger is often the last resort. And that actually brings us to our big idea of today. Now, I know this is a little bit different from what we're used to here at Broadway, but I would like to introduce our big idea of today's sermon right off the bat before we get into all our discussions about the topic of anger. I'm doing this because it is woven into every idea that I will be introducing to you today. When anger is in the foreground, there's often a shadow in the background. When anger is in the foreground, there's often a shadow in the background. Anger is often sourced in things unresolved, which is why today I want to encourage us all to look inward, to look behind the anger that we may be experiencing. I want to shed light on three very important observations about anger. And the first one is this. Anger may be sourced in unforgiveness. Let's talk about the story of Jonah. If you grew up at church, this is a classic story that you've heard in the past. But if you're not familiar with the Bible, this story may intrigue you. Jonah was a prophet called by God to proclaim God's will for his people. Essentially, Jonah was a chosen spokesperson by God. Jonah is often known as the man who was swallowed up by a whale because of his disobedience to God to go call out the people of Nineveh for their wickedness. But I don't wanna talk about the whale portion of his life. I actually wanna talk about what comes after that. So after the whole whale situation, God calls Jonah again to go to the people of Nineveh to call them out from their sinful behaviors, their killings, their violent acts, their cruelty, and their sorcery. The people of Nineveh needed to change their ways. Backstory to all of this, though. Jonah did not like the people of Nineveh. Perhaps we can say he even had hatred and bitterness in his heart towards them. The Ninevites were Israel's enemy, and Jonah grew up having zero respect for them. So when God called Jonah to go to Nineveh and ask for their repentance, he was actually very, very angry. I almost view it as him crossing his arms and gritting his teeth and saying, fine, God, I'll go. He was quite angry because he didn't think that the people of Nineveh actually deserved God's forgiveness. He actually didn't want them to repent. He wanted them to be punished. Have you ever acted in a similar way to Jonah? Has there ever been someone who has wronged you and you know you should extend forgiveness? That would be the right thing to do, but you're unwilling to give it. Unsurprisingly, the people repent and God forgives them of their horrible ways. So now this is a Jonah problem. One of my favorite professors always says, if a primary emotion such as anger is bubbling to the surface, this is a you problem. Meaning you need to deal with that anger. You cannot put your anger on someone else. It is a you problem. Jonah four verse one talks about how Jonah reacted to the Ninevites repentance. It says, to Jonah, This seemed very wrong, and he became angry. It seems so easy to read, but there's so much weight behind that. Now, Jonah was so angry that he said to God in Jonah 4 verse 3, Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Jonah is unable to cope with the loss of the target of his hatred, the Ninevites. He was unable to cope with the fact that his prophetic proclamation actually produced repentance and godly forgiveness. I would suggest this hatred towards that group of people would even become part of Jonah's identity. He would rather die than face a gracious God and the Ninevites as potential friends. His anger stewed from his unforgiveness to the people of Nineveh. The story ends with Jonah sitting in hostility and anger, which stemmed from his unforgiving heart. It caused him to shrivel, and anger literally took over his whole body. It took over his whole life. Jonah's anger was sourced from his unforgiveness. Anger was his primary emotion, his outward emotion, But unforgiveness was the root problem. And until he deals with his unforgiveness, the anger would not go away for him. This very much happens to all of us. We too often have difficulty in loving our enemies because we are afraid they actually might repent. We indulge in our primary emotions such as anger because it's easier for us than to actually deal with our stuff, than to deal with our unforgiving heart. So let me ask you, are you experiencing anger in your life because you have a forgiveness issue? Do you relate to Jonah at all? I encourage you to take note of that. I know many of you can picture a person or a situation that you are angered at right now. For Jonah, anger was in the foreground and unforgiveness was the shadow in the background. You see, anger may be sourced from unforgiveness. Oftentimes, anger is sourced from relationship, which exposes unforgiveness. But anger can also be a very personal thing. We can be angry at ourselves, which leads me to our second point. Anger may be sourced from guilt and shame. Guilt and shame have this choreographed dance, how to hide behind the primary emotion of anger. When anger is in the foreground, guilt and shame could be in the background. So what exactly is guilt and shame? I like to put it this way. Guilt is saying, I did something wrong. But shame is saying, I am wrong. If guilt is not addressed, it will 100% turn to shame. You can look at it this way. If you're dealing with your inward anger, the primary emotion, this is often brewed from guilt not being exposed properly, which then, if not dealt with, will grow into shame. Your inward anger may manifest to look like poor self-talk, putting yourself down, mental illness, physical illness, self-harm, and even suicidal thoughts. Let me bring this point to life a little bit. Over the past two years, I've had to do a lot of personal work with these two secondary emotions. Throughout the years of me growing up, I have dealt with some unique, and how do you say, (laughs) annoying health issues. In grade four, little Sydney experienced her first ocular migraine which is a migraine with a visual disturbance. I had no idea what was going on with my body. And over the years, my migraines intensified and other strange symptoms began to develop and take over my body. There were times in my life that I have had to leave situations abruptly because I couldn't see or I was in incredible pain. Now, this doesn't make sense to a lot of people. And there were times in my life that I let people down and I caused a lot of confusion. As you can imagine, for a growing, maturing girl, this was absolutely devastating. I would compare myself to other people and be angry that this is the reality that I have to live in. There are times I felt like I had no control on my body. And this damaged the way I viewed myself. There was a growing hatred and disgust for this body that I had to deal with. The simplest way I could put it is I was angry. I was mad at myself for having to leave things or miss out or cause confusion among people I cared about. I felt so shameful that this was my reality. I went from saying this situation is bad, which is guilt, to thinking I am bad. Shame. But at the end of the day, I chalked it down to anger. I was angry at myself. Like I mentioned before, the shadow being cast by my anger was growing. But for most of my life, I didn't care to let the sun move a little bit and let my shame and guilt that was hiding so perfectly behind it come to light. The past few years, I have done a lot of personal work when it comes to shame and guilt and the way I feel about my body. And it has been hard because I've had to learn how to step away from anger that I was feeling and expose the root of the problem, which was my shame and my guilt, which needed loving, gracious attention. I say all this to make a point. Shame and guilt are often lurking in our lives, and maybe the anger you feel towards yourself or others is actually pointing to something bigger. Your anger may be sourced from shame and guilt. Have you ever thought about it that way? Look inward. Are you angry or even hateful of yourself? Have you ever asked yourself why? Shame and guilt might be standing there patiently waiting for you to deal with these raw emotions. Maybe you're poor with your finances. Maybe you've been hiding an addiction to porn for years. Maybe you are ashamed of the diagnosis you have. Maybe your dependency on drugs or alcohol have taken over every part of your life. Maybe there is a childhood trauma you avoided to deal with, but it's coming to the surface now. Shame and guilt can creep in, which often come across as anger towards yourself or even expressed outward to others. Anger may be sourced from guilt and shame. But most importantly, with shame and guilt, be reminded of the way God thinks about you, which is the truth. He sees you as valuable, precious, loved, worthy. He wants to walk with you in your shame and guilt journey. He wants to have a relationship with you. And just hold tight because in a few minutes, we will give you the opportunity to start that relationship with God today. I encourage you to deal with your guilt and shame. Reach out to someone, start processing it. The anger is not going to leave until we deal with our stuff until we call it what it is. We actually have an amazing opportunity to invite you to to start processing some of these emotions. A Better You workshop is happening this week. David Miner, a clinical counselor and life coach, wants to help you take this one step further. So you can scan the QR code on your outline for more information or just check out the description box below. So we have taken the time to talk about the primary emotion of anger and how it can look like unforgiveness and even shame and guilt. But what if I told you? anger is not always wrong. Have you ever thought about it like that? We must start by understanding the power of righteous anger. Some people call it healthy anger. Righteous anger is a crucial element in a believer's life. Righteous anger reminds us of the gaps between our commitment to God's kingdom and the often harsh realities that we have to struggle with each day. A Christian life We are often caught up in this dilemma. But Jesus is the best example of righteous anger. Let's read together Matthew 21, verse 12 to 13. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It was written, he said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer. You are making it a den of robbers. The temple was supposed to be used as a place to honor worship and pray and offer sacrifices to God. But when Jesus walked into the temple, he was absolutely horrified. He saw merchants and money changers and they were dishonoring God by using the temple area for business instead of worship. And many of the vendors were even taking advantage of people who have traveled long and far distances to worship God. A righteous anger swept through Jesus. He was outraged to see the way God was being dishonored. He let his anger out with words and actions. I love how bold Jesus is. He literally flipped tables and benches everywhere. I can totally picture that. This was righteous anger. Jesus' only motivation was to honor God in undoing the wrongs being done. He was angry at the injustice that he saw, which led him to action. We can use anger for good. Anger can be used to honor God and motivate people to do God's will and purpose. You can think of it like this. It's anger because something isn't right. Now, Here is what I'm not saying. I want to caution you. You cannot justify your anger in any or all situations to be healthy or righteous anger. You have to be prayerful in this. You must bring in your brothers and sisters in Christ to help you discern this. You must actively talk to God about your anger. You must seek the Holy Spirit's guidance in your anger. Righteous anger cannot be discerned solely on your own. Within this process of discernment and bringing in others, this is where the words of James really comes to light. We must be slow to anger. This process assures that we will be slow to anger. But let me remind you, anger is not always wrong. Has there ever been situations in your life where righteous anger took place? Maybe it was a situation at your workplace. Maybe it's between different friendships that you might have. Maybe it's something that you've seen at church. I want to invite you to start thinking about these things and start processing in your life what deserves righteous anger. Because anger is not always wrong. When anger is in the foreground, a righteous reasoning could be in the background. Today, I want to shed light on three very important observations about anger because we all deal with it. When anger is in the foreground, you need to take note of what is in the background. Anger may come from unforgiveness. It may come from guilt and shame. And anger is not always wrong. But I want to mention that these are just a few of the many secondary emotions which could be hiding behind anger. I encourage you to look inward at your own life and take note of what is hiding behind because oftentimes there is something waiting there patiently to be found. Perhaps what is in the background of your life is not pretty. Perhaps this anger is popping up. Actually, it could be blowing up in your life and in the shadow of your anger is unforgiveness or shame and guilt or something else altogether. Up close, your shadow may seem enormous, but when the light shifts and the sun moves, your shadow actually can become very small. Today, I want to challenge you to step to the side and let your small shadow actually have some light. Deal with the shadow of unforgiveness, guilt, and shame, which is hiding behind this enormous anger. I want to challenge you to first Bring your anger, your bitterness, or whatever you're dealing with before God. Ask Him for forgiveness. Ask Him for strength. Ask Him to walk alongside you as you deal with your emotions. So you may be sitting here feeling super overwhelmed because you have a lot of work ahead of you. I understand that heaviness. As I have shared, I've been walking through how to deal with my secondary emotions for years. And with that being said, I want to encourage you. All the time and effort you put into your anger and dealing with it is worth it. How do I know that? It's because I've done it. I am not perfect and I know I am flawed, but. If I can face my anger humbly in submission to God, I know that he will also help you with every step of your way. I am so thankful that we get to lean into Jesus as we walk this process out. Jesus is the ultimate example of how to deal with our anger. He gave himself up humbly to be murdered on a cross for you and for me. He did this so that we could be in a transforming relationship with him. To be honest, without Jesus, dealing with your anger is almost impossible. Therefore, I want to give you the opportunity to be in a loving, vibrant relationship with Him right now. Maybe you have turned your back on God time and time again, or maybe you have never actually accepted God as the Lord and Savior of your life. Would you pray this prayer with me? I want to invite you to take the next step in your faith right now with me and say yes to a beautiful, loving relationship with Jesus. Let's pray. God, I know I have messed up so many times in my life. God, I'm sorry for turning my back on you time and time again, but today I wanna say a big yes to you. I wanna say yes to a vibrant relationship with you. Lord, I thank you for transforming the way I look at my emotions, the way I look at myself. Lord, I just pray a blessing on today. We love you, amen. Now, as we close, if you prayed that prayer with me, the best advice I could give you would be to text the number that's on the screen. We have a pastor standing by wanting to talk with you and help you in the next steps of your faith journey. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. And we hope to see you next week here at Broadway Church.